0: Keep your mental health muscles strong with the Emotional Badass Podcast. I'm Nikki Eisenhower, your host, psychotherapist, and life coach. The Emotional Badass Podcast is your place to learn the mental health tips and tricks you need to build emotional resilience and practice mindfulness and gratitude. Join me every week for new episodes to reach a more grounded state of well-being as life brings its challenges. Search for Emotional Badass wherever you get your
2: podcasts. Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. It's time for therapy.
1: Movie therapy.
2: I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture critic and co-author of How to Be Fine.
1: And I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday. In each episode of Movie Therapy, we offer up questionable advice and rock-solid TV and movie recommendations for whatever ails you.
2: I love that, Rafer. (laughs) Rock-solid. Rock-solid. trying
1: to to punch that up, Kristen.
2: (laughs) No, no, we are not real therapists, but we are real movie critics. That's right. Kristen, shall we get to
1: this week's letters?
2: Yes, and our first letter this week is from Emily. Emily says, Emily, from Emily, you say. Another Emily, yes. Emily says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I'm raising a kid who is awesome, but who is, to put it bluntly, weird. Yes, I'm raising the weird, quirky kid who doesn't fit in, and I have to say that I think raising the weird kid might be more anxiety-producing than being the weird kid. (laughs) Even though I know that weird kids often make the best, most interesting adults, I worry about my child having friends, getting bullied, and maintaining self-esteem throughout the hard growing up years. Do you have any suggestions for weird kid makes good movies or shows that can help ease my worries and reassure me that greatness lies on the other side of this line? Extra bonus points if it's something that would be appropriate to share with my little weirdo who is in middle school. P.S. My name is not really Emily, but I don't (laughs) want to use my real name. And I feel like all fake names should be Emily now, thanks to your show. (laughs)
1: Okay, fair enough. We've started a trend. We've yes, started the Emily, yes, the Emily trend. Yes. Um, yeah, well, Emily, I was a weird kid, and so I know uh, sort of what you're going through. I have a slightly weird kid. I think my 12-year-old is a pretty normal kid. My 10-year-old is a slightly weird kid. Um, <laughs> you know, he, he, he likes sort of living in the fantasy land. He's got a very funny way of looking at things. He's got a funny little vocabulary he likes to use. He's just—he's in—in the best possible way. He's a weird kid, and so far he hasn't been uh, on the on the business end of any any bullying, anything bad, not yet. But I know what you're saying. My my weird childhood was a little tough, and I can imagine being the parent of someone because you love that kid so much, and it's your job to look out for that kid and make that kid's life good and protect them and help them deal with all these things. I can understand. How it would be difficult to be the parent of a kid who's not kind of fitting in and not sort of, you know, going along with all the other uh, with all the other kids. So I I, my heart goes out to you.
2: Yeah, my heart goes out to you, too, Emily. Um, Years ago, I had a friend who was explaining what it was like to be the mom of her weird kid and her weird kid sat alone every day at lunch and her weird kid Uh. had no friends. And it just broke my heart. And, you know, she did extra special things as a mom to try and make her kid feel special like she would in her daughter's lunch put a letter every day in the lunch box so that her daughter didn't just have to sit alone and eat so she'd have something to read from her mom and you know other little special things she would do but just thinking about that oh it just it breaks my heart and It does partly because I was sometimes that weird kid. I was definitely that kid who was better friends with the librarian than I was with other kids for a few years (laughs) where I I would eat in the library and talk with the librarians. And God bless you, all you librarians out there who took pity on me and found me uh, interesting enough or not irritating enough to let me stay there and just read books and talk with you rather than uh, sit and cry in the bathroom. So, you know. It's tough sometimes being in the weirdo and it's tough being the weirdo's parents, but we get through it. I've said this before and I'll say it again. Rafer and I are examples of productive members of society who've gone through some weird stuff ourselves. And here we
1: are. Totally. <laughs> yes, exactly right. Here we are. And you're right also, Emily, that uh, that the weird kids do make the best, most interesting adults from my unbiased uh, opinion. Not at all um, but talking about
2: ourselves. No, no, no not
1: at all. <laughs> so Kristen, what do you say? What do you have for Emily? You've got a good uh, a good prescription for her?
2: Well, I hope it's a good prescription, and I'm not sure if your kid will enjoy this or not. If your kid's anything like I was at that age, I think your kid will. It is a documentary that just came out a couple months ago on Netflix called "Mucho Mucho Amor." Oh yes, do
1: you know this one, Rafer? I'm, I have not seen it, but I'm familiar with it. It's about a uh, an, ast- an ast- what is he an astrologer? Yes, a for- like a yes. yes.
2: He is a Puerto Rican TV and radio astrologer named Walter Mercado. He was adored by millions around the world for his dramatically delivered horoscope readings, his fabulous costumes, (laughs) and his message of love. I'm guessing some of you out there are familiar with his face already. If you're not familiar, he looks kind of like a cross between Liberace and one of the Golden Girls. Yes, and yes, that's right. he moved like a dancer because he was one. He made Elvis Presley's Las Vegas era jumpsuits and capes look like burlap sacks because he was so <laughs> fabulous in comparison. But at the peak of his popularity, he disappeared and the filmmakers set out to find out where did he go? Here's a clip. El señor Walter Mercado. Walter Mercado. Walter Mercado. We grew up with him. I can't think of an English language astrologer that would
1: command the attention of millions of households. Scorpio, te pones ahora insistente. Some people who speak English do not understand how loved you are in the Spanish community. He's
0: very much his own incredible creation. He's an ampergine. He looks like a woman. Sometimes he looks like a man. He was like one of the biggest characters, yeah. Not just with Spanish TV, anywhere. But all of a sudden, he disappeared.
2: Now, Emily, I am recommending this movie for a few reasons. First and foremost... I wanted to showcase someone who continued to be unconventional his whole life, because I think it's super common to say in our current world, this person was weird, but then he invented the iPod. Right. (laughs) And what I like about Walter Mercado is that he was sort of dramatic and flamboyant from the time he was a young boy, and he just stayed that way. He didn't suddenly become a businessman or create a multi-billion dollar company. He just stayed weird. And I think we should really celebrate people like that. Second, Emily, I want to recommend this movie because in telling his life story, the filmmakers make clear that his community embraced the weirdness he showcased as a very young boy. When he was Uh. very, very young, he was already doing things like trying to bring animals back to life and um, other far (laughs) out stuff. But his community celebrated it. They loved him for it. And I think that's something that we can all aim to do with our young weirdos in this world. We can just celebrate it and say, that's really unique. That's special. I am so glad that you found this part of your heart and are putting it out there for the rest of us. Thank you. And third, I want to recommend this movie because what stands out to me about Walter Mercado is that his weirdness was, above all else, a tool he used to spread love. And I think we could all stand to be a little more weird If our weirdness is really just a way to roll out the red carpet to love. And so I hope that Emily, when you watch this, you'll feel really good about your little weirdo. I hope if your uh, weird kid watches this with you, that your weird kid will be able to enjoy the pageantry, enjoy the costumes, enjoy the love and enjoy Walter standing in his own place and space saying, this is who I am. It doesn't matter what you think about me. All I'm doing is spreading love. And the world loved him for it. So, again, that movie is called Mucho Mucho Amor.
1: I love the idea of this. And I didn't know that there was a, a little bit of a mystery at the heart of this. I'd seen oh, the yes. emails on this movie and, and uh, I'd seen the, um, the pictures of his face. And you're right. He looks exactly like, like a Liberace type. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think I was aware that there was this kind of uh, uh, like a Richard Simmons style disappearance. Yes. I love yes. it.
2: Yes, oh, that there is. Great. So there's a little little something for everyone some mystery, some pageantry, some love. And I'll admit, I even cried a little bit watching it.
1: All right. All right. Well, oh, that sounds great, Kristen. And what about you, Rafer? Well, I'm going to reach back a little ways. Uh, and I did choose a kids' movie that's from 1996, uh, a movie called Matilda, directed by Danny uh, DeVito. Yes. Do you know Matilda? Yes. Yes. Of
2: course. Oh, my God. Gosh, she is such a weirdo. Yes. She is so weird. Totally. In the best possible way. This was a film
1: that passed me by at the time, and I didn't see it until I had kids. Like I said, it's directed by Danny DeVito, who also stars in it. And it's based on a Roald Dahl book, so you know it's going to be a little bit dark, and the characters are definitely going to be pretty weird. So it's about a girl named Matilda Wormwood, played by Mara Wilson, uh, she's young. She's like, what is she, 9, 10, somewhere in there? And a, a classic weird kid. She is. She's bookish. She's brilliant. Got a bit of a wicked streak, which I like. Uh, and it also turns out that not only that, not only is she kind of a nerd and a little bit of a social outcast, she's also something of a witch in a way. At school one day, she realizes she can move objects with her mind. Here's a clip.
0: Two times nine is? Eighteen. Excellent. You've been
2: practicing. Pretty soon you'll be able to do any multiplication, whether it's 2 times 7. 14. Very good. Or 13 times 379. (laughs)
0: 4,927. I beg your pardon? I think that's the answer. 13 times 379. 4,927.
2: It is. It is. Rafer, I love this suggestion. Mara Wilson is so good in this role. And one thing I just have to say about whoever discovered her and started casting her in movies, thank you, because she also looks a little weird. Do you know what I mean? She doesn't look like the conventional Disney kid. No. She looks a little different, and she just seems a little different. And I love that about her. Yeah. And she does such a good job with this character who is just an unapologetic weirdo.
1: Right. Right. And I I think what I like about this film, especially, again, like I said, I had never seen it until I kind of took a gamble on it, um, you know, with my own kids just to, you know, we were looking around for something and we'd kind of exhausted a lot of other possibilities. So we gave it a shot. I'd never seen it. What I liked about it was that Matilda is not this sweet little misunderstood angel, I like, I'm only trying to be good, but society is so mean to me. She's really angry. She's an angry, angry kid, and and, and for totally good reasons. You know, her parents, who are played by, by DeVito and by um, his real-life wife, Rhea Perlman, are these terrible people. They're just insulting, neglectful. They're sleazeballs. They're actual criminals. They're literally under surveillance by the FBI for running a fraudulent business. And the FBI, who are supposed to be be like, you know, law and order, the good guys, they're supposed to be helpful. Once they get involved, they wreck everything because it looks like Matilda might lose her home and become like a ward of the state. So throughout this movie, Matilda is, you know, pretty much always pissed off. And I just love that about her. And I love that about the movie. And when she unleashes her power, she really lets people have it. And I, I kind of found that, kind of appealing and cathartic, you know. If you're if you're a weird kid, you're you probably are a little bit mad at the world. And, you know, listen, it's you know, it's okay to to let it out sometimes. Um you know, again, I think some people might find this movie a little on the dark side. It's something to be aware of. But I also think it's it's very funny. It's it's cartoonish and that kind of Danny DeVito, Barry Sonnenfeld, Tim Burton kind of way, you know. Um, <laughs> and of course, it all ends happily ever after. So, Emily, if your weird kid hasn't seen it yet, you know, maybe he'll see a little bit of himself in there.
2: Ah, Rafer, that is such a good recommendation. It is so good. It's good for kids. It's good for adults. Yeah. Everybody watch this movie. So, again, from Rafer, Matilda from 1996, and from me, Mucho Mucho Amor from 2020.
1: All right, we're going to take a quick break. But before we do, our usual gentle reminder that we love it when you rate and review us in Apple Podcasts. And we love it possibly even more when you write entire articles about us, like Patrick Regal recently did (laughs) for Medium. Uh, If you haven't read it, check it out. His article is called The Perfect Quarantine Podcast, and it's all about us. And I'm telling you right now, We don't know him. We didn't pay him. We have nothing to do with it. (laughs) It's a great article. Check it out on Medium. uh, Or you can also visit Facebook.com slash groups slash Rafer and Kristen. We've got it there, too.
2: Yes. Uh, Patrick, thank you. We were both so flattered. Rafer and I were like, "Boy, oh, my God. Is this a friend of yours? No. Is it a friend of yours? (laughs) Hold on. How do you know (laughs) him? I don't know him. He just did us. He He wrote about us. We didn't ask him to. But thank you so much. So nice. We really, really appreciate it. All right, stay with us when we're back. We have someone who feels maybe she has too many balls in the air and can't quite juggle them all.
0: Emotional Badass is the weekly mental health and wellness podcast dedicated to empowering you with the emotional education so many of us crave. I'm Nikki Eisenhower, a psychotherapist with expertise in talk therapy, personal growth, and therapeutic healing. Join me every week on the Emotional Badass Podcast as we delve into the heart of emotional wellness, tackling topics from stress management and coping strategies to the nuances of being highly sensitive. We navigate life's challenges, uncover the subtleties of gaslighting and manipulation, and confront narcissism head on. All the while, we learn to forge healthy boundaries that enrich both our personal and romantic relationships. With brand new content every Sunday and over 300 past episodes in our archive, there's something for everyone. Search for Emotional Badass wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hey Matt, did you know that wombats poop cubes? Nope, never heard that before. Did you know the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, Ken? I didn't know, nor do I care. Neil. Did you know that Liechtenstein is the only doubly landlocked country in Europe? Jeff, isn't that an American pop artist? Well, actually, it's both. If you want to learn things like that and more, join us each week on Triviality, a pub trivia-style game show podcast where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Listen in each week to answer general knowledge trivia alongside exciting guests from around the world. And we're here, too.
2: Join us every Tuesday for new hour-long episodes of Triviality, Plus, tons of extra themed content on everything from The Office and Lord of the Rings to science and geography.
1: And sometimes we even do sports.
2: Find us on all your preferred
1: podcast apps and take part in the fun of playing bar trivia without the need to wear pants. Real mature, Jeff. Forget it, Neil. It's triviality.
2: We are back with our second letter of the week. Rafer, I'll let you take this one away.
1: Okay, this one is from Katie. Katie says, "Dear Rayford and Kristen, I've been married for 11 years. We have an 8 and 5-year-old who are in 3rd grade and kindergarten, and my husband is in his final year of medical school, which means I now have an elementary school, medical school, and kindergarten taking place in my home. The lack of alone time is killing me. I'm wearing too many hats to do a good job at any of them, and anything extra has been tossed to the side. I find myself being a wife, a maid, a teacher, a therapist," my daughter has autism, and telehealth therapy is not cutting it, a personal chef, a personal secretary, a laundromat, all with no help and on very little sleep, because these are the things that need to get done. I've given up on anything that I want to get done. We live in the States, but I'm from Canada and have no family close by. We're surviving on student loans. Otherwise, I would just outsource some of this. I have to do everything. I'm really good at doing all these things, but I have too many balls in the air, and I am not a circus clown. Do you have any movie recommendations that would help me feel like I either A, do not have to be a perfectionist, B, don't have to do it all, or C, teaches me how to time travel back in time so we can immigrate to Canada instead of the United States? (laughs) There is your letter, boy.
2: Wow, Katie, this sounds really... Really, really, really tough. I am so sorry. That is a lot of balls. And no, you are not a circus clown. Or at least, so you say, you're not a circus clown. And I believe you. I believe you're not a circus clown. Because we're all social distancing now and there are no circuses, right? That's right. That's right.
1: <laughs> Boy, yeah, that's, uh, that's you know, when I was reading this letter, the first thing I thought was, did my wife write this letter in <laughs> under the name Katie? Is that what I'm reading?
2: Your wife is not from Canada.
1: (laughs) No. (laughs) I thought she just made that up as a cover story. Um, But I'll just tell you, this sounds very, very familiar uh, to me. Uh, You very well could be my wife. You very well could be the wife of many people I know. I think this, I'm just going to say it, I think this is kind of a woman thing. I don't really think you hear that much about this kind of stuff from guys. Sorry to say it, I think it's true.
2: I think it's true as well. One of my friends posted on social media the other day that she was sitting there side-by-side with her child while school was remotely taking place. And looking at the Zoom call at the uh, 20-odd other students, there was not a single dad. It was all moms (laughs) sitting with their kids. and. She asked folks on social media, has anyone seen a dad so far in any of these virtual classrooms? And not a single person said yes. Nobody had seen a dad yet. Uh, We, as a society, put so much weight on women. We have a lot of expectations for women. Uh, We also, I think, sometimes as women put expectations on ourselves. I'm just going to say it as a woman. Maybe we put more expectations on ourselves than we need to. Maybe it's okay if the dishes don't get done every day. Maybe it's okay if the laundry's only done once every other week instead of every week. I'm just saying for myself as somebody who maybe only lets – my laundry get done once a month, maybe I let some of this go and maybe you can let it go too, Katie. Maybe maybe you can lighten the load a little bit or do what my Nana did with me and make it fun to help her do some of these things and make it educational. Hey, let's fold some laundry together and count the socks. Oh,
1: I'm totally... Let's
2: chop some vegetables together.
1: I'm with you on that one. Or
2: the fun game of who can sweep the kitchen faster. (laughs) I just think about some of the things my Nana did with me growing up. And in retrospect, I'm like, oh, she was having me do chores. But as a little kid, it's like, this is a chance to participate, to play a game that I didn't realize wasn't just a game, that it was also like taking a tiny, tiny, tiny load off of her shoulders. And maybe, Katie, maybe you can, you know... Uh, take a cue from my Nana and also take a slight cue from me, which is like, it's okay if my laundry's not done. It's not most of the time. It's okay if my house doesn't look great. It doesn't most of the time. And I, I'm sorry that society does this to women. And I'm sorry that your circumstances are doing this to you. Yeah. Do you have any tips for her, Rafer?
1: Well, I guess I would just second what you're saying, because this is something that, that my wife and I go through a lot. And me, as the guy who does less, it puts me in the tough position of telling my wife, well, why don't you just do less, too? And, you know, that does not always go over so <laughs> well as advice. But But I do think <laughs> there is some truth in it in terms of, you know, you don't have to do everything absolutely perfectly. You know, some things are going to work out. Some things are not. Maybe you try to choose between the things that are really worth, you know, banging your head against a brick wall over and other things where you just say, I'm just going to let that go. And especially now, I think in the middle of this, you know, national uh, crisis that we're going through. Your kids' lives are not going to be as, you know, 100% sunny and normal as they were before all this. And you probably just can't make it that way. And your kids are going to have to learn a little resilience and they're going to have to learn to suck it up a little bit. And that's okay. That's going to be all right. Everything's not going to be perfect for them. But I'm not really sure it's your job to make everything perfect for them or for your husband. And, you know, like, like Kristen is saying, you know, some things are probably not going to get done. Some things will get let go a little bit. Is that the worst thing? No.
2: Hopefully on your deathbed, you're not saying, I should have done more laundry, you know. In the, in the grand scheme of things, hopefully these are not the things that make or break your life. They are things that hopefully can go by the wayside for an extra few days, or in my case, an extra few weeks.
1: <laughs> I'm glad someone else doesn't do a whole lot of laundry. There's so, there's so little cause to do it anymore.
2: I'm wearing the same
1: outfit six days a week.
2: Who cares? God, I know.
1: I know. Exactly. <laughs> Well, Kristen, (laughs) what do you recommend for Katie?
2: All right. Well, Katie, I hope you don't mind, but I am recommending a movie where the child in question is actually in high school, not in grade school like your kids. I hope you'll forgive me for that. This is a movie called Lady Bird. It came out in 2017. It is a Uh, coming-of-age story. Oh, I'm so glad you like it, Rafer. I I don't think we've ever discussed Lady Bird before. um, No, I don't think we have either. So Lady Bird is a coming-of-age story starring Saoirse Ronan. Excuse me if I'm pronouncing it wrong, but Saoirse, (laughs) I'm going to just say that. And Saoirse plays a teenage girl who calls herself Lady Bird, and Laurie Metcalf stars as her mother, Marion. The two have a strained relationship in which Lady Bird rarely does what she's supposed to, and Marion frequently snaps at Lady Bird. And in addition to juggling Lady Bird's frustrations and moods, Marion also has to deal with her own insecurities, financial hardships, and worries. Here's a clip. Everything we do is for you. Everything. Do you think I like driving that car around? No. Do you? No. Do you think I like working double shifts at the psych hospital? No. You needed to go to the Catholic school because your brother saw somebody knifed in front of him at the public school. Is that what you want? Larry, what are you doing on the computer? Nothing. You think your dad and I don't know how ashamed that you are of us? Your dad knows. Your dad knows why you ask him to drop you off a block away from school every day. Dad, I didn't mean to. You make him feel horrible. Horrible. I'm sorry. Do you know. Harriet,
1: that? you didn't have to bring it No, Larry, you the... can't
2: just be the nice guy. She has to know. She has to know how you feel. Otherwise, she's just gonna think she can say anything at all, and nobody ever gets hurt. Do you have any idea what it costs to raise you and how much you're just throwing away every day? Give me a number. What? Give me a number. I don't understand. You give me a number for how much it costs to raise me, and I'm going to get older and make a lot of money and write you a check for what I owe you so that I never have to speak to you again.
1: Yeah, this is Greta Gerwig's uh, movie, writer-director. Um, mm-hmm. It's so good. It's such a great story about a angry, difficult kid sort of navigating, n- navigating this world. Her mom is having a hard time. Lori Metcalf is so good as the mom. They're both really good. I just loved this movie. I thought it was really funny. It's got Timothy Chalamet, one of his kind of breakout roles, right? Mm-hmm. Um it was a banner year for him. Yeah, it's just it's a it's a really it's a great it's a great movie. I I, I can't say enough good things about it.
2: Oh, I'm so glad you agree with me, Rafer, because I think it's a great movie too. Um one thing that I really love about it that I think is pertinent here for Katie is that It does such a great job of showing the ways that both kids and parents fuck up in what may feel like colossal ways and how we get through it and still love each other intensely, even when we fuck up badly. And Katie, I hope it can show you that we all screw up. There's no such thing as a perfect parent. There's certainly not such a thing as a perfect kid. And the most important thing I think we can do for the children in our lives is to love them for who they are, make clear that we're there for them. But yeah, of course, sometimes it's going to come out that we have insecurities. Of course, it's going to be obvious that our best isn't good enough. That's okay. What really matters is love. You'll be fine.
1: I totally agree. I think it's a very good recommendation. Again, this is one of my favorite films of that year. It was a big critical hit. Yeah, I loved it.
2: I'm so glad you approve, Reefer And I'm dying to know what you're going to recommend for Katie.
1: I, I recommend a possibly more obvious and certainly less classy film, which is Bad Moms <laughs> from 2016. Yes. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I I recommend this movie to a lot of people, actually, quite frequently it was a it was a it was a comedy when it came out that i was really de- prepared to dislike it was part of this wave of r-rated raunchy comedies uh particularly after the hangover and um and after bridesmaids and people still felt like oh the the female r-rated raunchy comedy it's this new thing and and the title was kind of dumb because we'd already seen bad santa we'd already seen bad teacher (laughs) um and the guys who wrote it and directed it john (laughs) lucas and scott moore wrote the hangover movies so i was really just expecting kind of a piece of junk and you know and and even like when i sort of saw the the posters and the synopses you have these three main characters mila kunis is the mom who's she's she's like you katie she's on a treadmill she's doing everything she's taking care of everyone she's got the goody goody best friend played by Kristen bell she's the sort of kind of like the Kristen davis character from sex in the city i guess you know sort of pure and innocent and naive katherine mm-hmm. hahn great breakout role for katherine hahn she's this kind of low-class, borderline neglectful uh, mom who's m- more interested in getting drunk and sleeping around than, you know, attending <laughs> PTA meetings. Um, but it's Mila Kunis, who's the character who hits her breaking point and and runs for the PTA on a platform that is basically let's all be slightly worse parents who don't do very much. That's, that's, that's her, basic, her basic campaign <laughs> slogan. Here's a clip. Do you know what my favorite mom fantasy is? What? Uh-oh having
2: a quiet breakfast by myself
0: oh that is so hot this is glorious Sometimes when I'm driving all by myself, I have this fantasy that I get into a car crash. Not a big one with fire and explosions, but just like a little mm. one. But I do get injured and I get to go to the hospital for two weeks and I sleep all day and I eat jello, and I watch so much TV and it's all covered by my insurance. My kids bring me balloons and the nurses rub cream in my feet and oh my God, it's so amazing. <sighs> Is that like something you guys fantasize about too? No. no,
1: you're you're bad shit crazy. Yeah. I, I'm never going to get in a car with you.
2: Now, Rafer, I feel like this was part of a golden period in American culture where moms started just posting pictures of themselves on social drinking wine. <laughs> right. And mom started saying, I'm going to have a poker <laughs> night. Yeah. And I feel like there was something about this period where we were starting to acknowledge that. Maybe that perfect image of mommyhood that is pushed out there by the media by celebrities by self help books maybe maybe those expectations are too high, and maybe they don 't make us happy and this movie really seemed to come in the middle of that
1: yeah, and it was I was really amazed and intrigued that the guys who wrote the hangover could also write and direct this movie um because i from, <laughs> from my perspective. It was really surprisingly sensitive. Uh, I mean, granted, it's a lot of you know, there's barf humor and there's sex humor and there's a lot of foul language and there's all that stuff that you expect from a movie like this. But it really had a lot of empathy for these three mothers. Again, it reminded me of my own wife. Uh, I really understood the Mila Kunis character, and I think the one thing that really stuck out to me was that I'm minor spoiler here. But the villain in this movie, who's played by uh, Christina Applegate, who's actually quite funny. Even she, the villain in this movie, has a heart deep down. You really you kind of realize at the end that she's also just a mom struggling under her own pressures. And I like that the message here is kind of like a it's like a low class Bartleby the Scrivener, you know, the Herman Melville story, right? <laughs> but the, the guy who just shows up to work and then starts saying, I'd prefer not to, and then just doesn't. Um only this movie ends happily. So I, I was just really taken with this movie and by the time by the time it ended, I'd forgotten all of my preconceived notions and I'd really enjoyed it. And the cast is fun. It's smart. It's, it's got a heart. Um, So who knows, Katie, maybe you will find this movie inspirational.
2: Oh, I hope you do. And I mean, I totally forgot, Rafer, that the hangover guy had anything to do with this, because I think of the hangover movies as really aggro and really testosterone-y. But this movie... That's the funny thing. I agree with you. There's like real empathy for women in this movie. And so... Yeah, I know. So don't let that hold you back, Katie. Give this movie a chance. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: All right, so just to recap uh, our recommendations for you, Katie, from me, Bad Moms, and from Kristen, Ladybird.
2: All right, we're going to take another quick break, but before we do, are you in a predicament where you could use some questionable advice and some rock-solid movie recommendations, as Rafer calls them? <laughs> write to us at <laughs> raferandkristen at gmail.com. You don't have to use your real name. You can be one of the millions of Emilys who write us every month.
1: You can also use the contact form on our website, com. Or reach out to us on Twitter at Rafer Guzman and at Kristen Meinser.
2: When we're back, we have our What Should I Watch Next Letter of the Week. Stay with us.
1: We're back with our What Should I Watch Next Letter of the Week. Kristen, take it away.
2: All right, I will. This letter is from Dane. Dane says... Dear Rafer and Kristen, like many people around the world, I was looking forward to Disney's new live-action version of Mulan, and then let down when I finally watched it. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't the five-star movie I was hoping for. The actress playing Mulan didn't seem very skillful at showing emotion. Frankly, her father, in the few scenes he was in, made me feel more. Also, Mulan just didn't strike me as very kick-ass. If I'm watching an action hero, I want her to kick some ass. Again, I did not hate the movie. It was beautiful to look at, but it didn't give me that fierce woman feeling I was hoping for. What should I watch next? Bonus points for movies with heroines of color.
1: Ah, uh, Dane, I'm with you. I really thought Mulan was going to be, even when they released it on Disney+, Plus. I really thought this is going to be the movie of the year. You know, There's there, if, I don't know how closely you've been following this kind of Hollywood uh, uh, musical chairs with uh, release dates getting uh, pushed and, and postponed. You know, every time uh, Christopher Nolan's Tenet would get delayed, Disney would follow suit and delay their <laughs> movie. They'd delay Mulan by two weeks. Then Tenet would do it again. Then Mulan would do it again. Then Tenet. Then Mulan. Finally, Disney just gave up <laughs> its hands and decided to put it on Disney+. Plus. But I still thought... Just based on the trailers, which
2: looked so good. Oh, the trailers were stunning.
1: Oh man, they looked fantastic. They looked fantastic, and I, I, I just thought, oh, this movie's gonna, it's got the, it's got the female audience. It's got the Asian American audience. It's got a built-in, you know, brand name recognition because of the animated feature.
2: It's got the nostalgia audience for anybody who grew up with it. It's to- got. It's
1: a family film as opposed to *Tenet*, which is you know the usual kind of Christopher Nolan, you know, mind-bending weirdness. Yeah. It just seemed like a. It seemed like it was going to be the thing. And uh Dane, I totally agree with you. I thought it was completely one hundred percent okay, just totally okay, and that 's really not that okay <laughs> when you're when your hopes are that high, so
2: especially when you 're paying thirty dollars on top of your Disney plus membership to watch it I, because. Totally. This is not a movie that automatically comes with a Disney Plus membership. And that's a lot of money for some people. That is a lot of money. That's
1: exactly right.
2: I got to agree with Dane and you, Rayford. This was fine. Yeah. It was... Fine. And I also agree with that one little aside, Dane, from you, that her father elicited more feeling from yeah, me than she did. Yeah, the, I just don't know if she was was she supposed to just be a blank slate because she does not emote very much at all. No, I
1: know. She I know she did she did not emote at all. That's really true. Um yeah, Tsi Ma who plays the father was um was really great. He's the one that got me kind of tearing up at the end. Yeah, and I did think there were some good things about it. I liked the doppelganger character, this kind of that kind of the sorceress who was also sort of a uh, no,
2: God, we oh, didn't like that. Oh, she was terrible. Well, I kind of thought
1: that was an interesting <sighs> character at least. I mean, I just thought you know that she was she was sort of the evil Mulan. She, you know, she's what Mulan would have become if she had sort of let her dark side win over, right? I kind of liked that. I thought that was a decent addition to the script. No, no you way. disagree? I'm oh, like, why is that? she
2: here? Did they just decide that <laughs> we need one more woman on screen? Why is she here? Oh. I don't understand the point. Uh. Is she evil? Is she good? You can never tell. I, uh, yeah, just, I mean,
1: no. I, know, I, I know what you're saying. Anyway, all right. So <laughs> now that we've beat up on Milan, what are we going to prescribe, Christian? What do, you, what do you say?
2: Well, I want to hear from you first, Rafer. Tell me what you're going to prescribe. Oh,
1: you want to hear me first. Okay. Yes. Well, I'm going out on a little bit of a limb here because, Dane, I, I don't know how old you are, but I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that you're an adult person, and I, 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 I know some adults who are also very interested in seeing Mulan, but I'm going to recommend a movie that's very different from Mulan. I'm going to recommend Atomic Blonde from 2017, uh, which is one of my absolute favorite movies of the last few years. Kristen, did you see Atomic Blonde?
2: Yes, and not only did I see it, I remember counting down the days before it came out because I was so seduced by those trailers. I love seeing a woman kick ass totally. and I got to say it delivers. It's not just in the trailers. It is in the movie. Oh. If you want to see a woman kick an ass, this is a movie to watch.
1: I'm so glad. I'm so glad because, you know, I think I think this movie was a little bit polarizing. I think a lot of people f- felt like it fell short and a lot of people just went totally crazy for it like I did. So here's the story. Uh, it's about a spy named Lorraine Broughton, played by the great Charlize Theron. She's a spy in East Berlin, 1989, just before the fall of the Berlin Wall. She's been sent there to track down a list of secret agents uh, working on both sides of the Cold War, and there seems to be pretty much nobody she can trust. She's got uh, basically two agents that she winds up dealing with. Uh, One is a guy, named David Percival, played by James McAvoy, who's very good. The other is a woman, Delphine LaSalle, played by Sofia Boutella. And uh, Lorraine will sleep with at least one of them. Here's a clip.
2: I chose this life. And someday, it's going to get me killed. But not today. in intelligence collection and hand-to-hand combat. Agent Gascoigne was killed last night. He had an atomic bomb of information. Find out who's hunting our operatives and trust no one. Now, Rafer, this is a Bold suggestion because it's definitely darker and definitely edgier than Mulan. That's for sure.
1: You think? Yes, it's um, it's not really in the same genre. Mulan is rated PG, maybe PG thirteen. This is a hard R, very hard full R, full of yes. sex and violence. <laughs> very yes. Uh, it's directed by David Leach, who's uh, one of the guys who helped create the John Wick franchise. Uh, Leach is a former stuntman,
2: which I love, by the way. Big John Wick fan over here. Oh, me too.
1: Oh. Oh, me too. They're yeah, they they're so good. So you know the stunt work in this thing is incredible. The car crashes are amazing. Charlize Theron is just she's just on fire. I think one thing I really loved about this movie is that it's it's just totally disreputable. It's just got this <laughs> great sort of it's got this great 70s, 80s sleazoid feel to it. You know, the the fall of the Berlin Wall, which we all think is this great thing. In this movie, it's a disaster. It's a disaster for everybody. It's a race against time. The, the whole plan falls apart. The whole world falls apart once the Berlin Wall falls down. Um, I thought that was a really interesting twist. The whole movie is just like an unapologetic, like, hollow rock video. It's just one scene after another of like Charlize Theron holding a cocktail glass and making eyes at somebody in a dance club while New Order blasts out of the sound system. (laughs) And my favorite part about it, aside from the great, great action scenes, my favorite part about it is that everyone smokes constantly. (laughs) They're smoking in every single scene. It's like a giant... F you to modern socially responsible Hollywood. It's totally inexcusable and I just love it. Um, so it's a lot of fun. I'm, it, it falls short, uh, in one area. It, uh, obviously, um, it's not a woman of color. She's, you know, she's, this is a white woman doing all the ass kicking here. So anyway, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, uh, to our listener, Dane. I've kind of let you down on that front, but. If you're, if you're up for an anti-Mulan, uh, this is definitely the one. <laughs> <laughs> and Kristen, how about you? What did you find?
2: Well, I hope you don't mind, but I'm going to double up here and recommend two movies, but they're part of the same franchise, Charlie's Angels from 2000 and Charlie's of Angels course. Full Throttle from 2003. Now... Ray, for you obviously know these movies. I'm sure a lot of other folks out there know these movies. They are inspired by the old 1970s, 80s Aaron Spelling TV show that was on back in the day, starring Farrah Fawcett and uh, Jacqueline Smith and so on. Uh, But in this reboot, it stars Cameron Diaz, Lucy Liu, and Drew Barrymore as the three tough, talented, attractive women who work as private investigators for an unseen millionaire named Charlie, voiced by John Forsyth, just yes. like in the TV show. Yep. And Charlie uses speakers in his office to communicate with the angels, and his assistant Bosley, oh, right. <laughs> played by Bill Murray in the first movie, and uh, Bosley's brother, played by Bernie Mac in the second movie, work with the angels directly when needed. And in each of the movies, they must go undercover find clues, and kick tons and tons of ass. Here's a clip.
0: Good morning, angels. Good morning, Charlie. Dylan, Alex, Natalie, I hope you're rested and ready for your next assignment. Meet Eric Knox, a brilliant engineer and the founder of Knox Technologies, an up-and-coming communication software company. Last night, Knox was kidnapped, and his voice identification software was stolen. Who's the lady left behind? Vivian Wood. She's the president of Knox Technologies. Oh, she did it.
2: Well, I guess we can all go home then. Angels, meet Vivian Wood, our new client.
1: Now, I have not seen these movies in a long time, but I remember them as being um, really fun breezy good action flicks uh were they both directed by McGee? or was yes, that just the first one
2: they, <laughs> they both were by mcg <laughs> and okay. they are such good fun they also have like yeah. great writers involved like john august is involved um oh yeah and the supporting cast is just fabulous in the second movie the number one villain is played by demi moore right they are just such fun movies and One reason I'm recommending these movies to Dane is because one criticism that I remember hearing is, oh, it's just like watching a cartoon. Now, I didn't see that as a bad thing. I think the Charlie's Angels movies being like a cartoon is a good thing. They have action sequences where there are things that are absolutely impossible to do in a regular movie, you know. Sliding down a rope on a two by four, flipping the two by four with your feet while punching somebody in the neck. I mean, just ridiculous (laughs) things that just are not possible in the real world. And it makes it so much fun. Just embrace the fact that it's like a cartoon. Embrace all the fierce females. The men are just really a side note. This is about the women. And uh, two out of the three main stars are women of color. We have our Latina angel played by Cameron Diaz, our Asian-American angel played by Lucy Liu. Uh, Drew Barrymore is obviously white. And um, there are other movies with women of color as the kick-ass leads, but I like this one because there are a variety of women of color. And I have really mixed feelings about the new Charlie's Angels that just came out last year. I did not think that was as good. Which I didn't see. Um, my husband disagrees with me. He liked the new Charlie's Angels even more, and that has an even more oh. diverse cast. So, you know, you might want to check that out as well. Uh, and, you know, my my husband... I will say this, full disclosure, he liked it while watching it on a plane. And sometimes watching things on planes makes us like movies more than they actually deserve to be liked, I found. I think it's the oxygen (laughs) deprivation. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) that's what my husband says. Anywho, Charlie's Angels from 2000 and Charlie's Angels Full Throttle from 2003.
1: And for me, Atomic Blonde from 2017.
2: (laughs) Well, Katie, we hope one of those or all of those work for you. And now I guess, Reefer, it's time for us to say goodbye to this week's episode of Movie Therapy.
1: I know, Kristen, it always goes so fast. I had a good time on this one. How about you?
2: Oh my gosh, I had so much fun. It was just like kicking ass and taking names and smoking cigarettes. That's what this felt like.
1: <laughs> uh, all right, everybody, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. If you need some questionable advice and solid movie recommendations, we are at Rafer and at gmail.com.
2: You can also reach out to us on Twitter at Rafer Guzman, and at Kristen Mines, or Rafer is especially witty on Twitter, in my opinion. Oh, thank you. And you can reach out to us also on our website, which is RaferandKristen.com. Please
1: rate us and review us in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows and tell your your friends about our show, please. It really does help a lot.
2: Yeah, tell your librarian if you're the nerdy kid in the library. (laughs) Tell everybody about the show. Tell your astrologer about the show. Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I am Rafer Guzman. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye.
0: Keep your mental health muscles strong with the Emotional Badass Podcast. I'm Nikki Eisenhower, your host, psychotherapist, and life coach. The Emotional Badass Podcast is your place to learn the mental health tips and tricks you need to build emotional resilience and practice mindfulness and gratitude. Join me every week for new episodes to reach a more grounded state of well-being as life brings its challenges. Search for Emotional Badass wherever you get your
2: podcasts.